Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast. Mike is still out on assignment in Los Angeles watching comedy, dealing with someone's uh, uh, bachelor party. And I have a bit of side stuff over here. You can see the garage is peeking in and I can pull that in so that we all stay in Main Road. In this episode, oh my God, it's back. We're going to go through the week one matchups, and I'm going to ask myself some questions uh, to try and help break down our previews. Even though we did it last week, didn't feel like everybody was listening. Just going to kind of run through some of the some of the buildup of the things. And then at the end of the episode, I've got a handful of Moneyline bets that I want to cover that I looked at on BetUSA that I thought were the best bets for the weekend. And I know that everybody likes the bets. So we're going to start there. First things first. Let's look at the schedule. Yes! Okay. Coming up, Friday night at Selhurst Park, Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace, the Eagles, take on Arsenal. This has not been a good uh, hunting ground for Arsenal. Palace are great at home. This is a tough, tough, tough away game. If you remember from last season... Palace kept on getting on Monday nights and had some really good results uh, in the back half of the season. Crystal Palace, a team that had the best expected goal difference of any team in the bottom half. So they, what that means is their goals created and defense cre- and defense defensive numbers based on shots given up was that of a team in the top half of the table versus. Uh, where they actually were. So they underperformed where they should be, but the quality of their play dictated that they should be where they were. Arsenal, we know they've had a great preseason, uh, probably a little too optimistic um, with Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko coming over along with uh, Vieira, who's another uh, sort of uh, Odegaard type. We all really love the team. I've been touting Arsenal for a couple years now because they're still young. And I think the big question for Arsenal, and they'll ask this question all year, is whether Arteta's actually a good manager or does he play one on TV? That's the big question. Um, next up, the Saturday lunchtime game. Lunchtime in England. This is traditional early game. 12.30 is Fulham versus Liverpool. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Liverpool gets the newly promoted team as the first game of the season in every season ever in history. So they get the away game in London. Listen, Fulham has never been a cauldron. And this Fulham team is still reliant on Mitrovic and Harry Wilson. Uh, Liverpool come into this as a juggernaut. They should win this game easily. Shouldn't be a problem. Uh, You know, I'm afraid of Liverpool. I always want Liverpool to lose. So Liverpool, do us a favor. Fucking lose. Thank you. Um, Then Tottenham... At home against Southampton, these are all the 3 p.m. kickoff times. Traditional kickoff time after the half-day Saturday work for you folks who believe in unions. They struck to get – they had Sundays off, and they struck to get the half-day Saturday so that leisure time could start, and that's where football came from. They'd walk from work after work and go to the football at 3 p.m. That's why it started this way. Anyway, uh, Tottenham come in having the most hope, the most – excitement they've had in a long, long time. Um, Conte's there. There's replacement troops there. They are in win-now mode. I think Conte will take nothing less than at least a trophy and top four. But there is the pesky 
part of Europe to damper Tottenham season. They go against Southampton. Southampton have so have not Southampton are an interesting team. They had a lot of growth, a lot of doing of things when they were first coming up uh, under Pochettino. They had some really good seasons under Ronald Koeman, finishing as high as seventh. When they had Mane, Pele, um, they had James Ward-Prowse was just coming in. They had Schneiderlin and Wanyama and Van Dijk and Aldeverald. I mean, this team was fucking loaded. <laughs> and that's even that's even that's even after they had sold Lalana and 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 Ricky Lambert. So there were a lot of good players that came through Southampton. And that's even before you know your your Bales and your and your Theo Walcotts and your Oxlade Chamberlains and all these players that have come through Southampton. And I think they're trying to reload in that regard. They've got two new young city players in the team. They tried to bring in Broya. So there's a lot of under 21 players coming through Southampton, and we'll see how that gels and if Hassan Hudo can get them playing. But they could be a relegation team. Okay. I was sorry. I got interrupted there. I thought my daughter was going to burst in as I was going through the game. Okay. That stuff happens. Um, so Southampton could be relegation. Newcastle play Forest. That's going to be – if this was the other way around, I would have taken Forest in this game because that home team of the team just coming up after 30 years, all the history. But this will be a good one, Newcastle versus Forest. New, Nottingham Forest have just completely spent money because they didn't have money. They've totally redone their team. So I'd expect them to be – if they're going to stay up, Forest will have to be a team that grows into the season. But I just worry um, whether their manager – will be able whether Steve Cooper will be able to have time to push that team forward I'm not sure so he's going to have to get some wins on the board early that's what you want when you're a relegated side because they have to gel the team they've got at least 12 new players because all the players they had were loanees from other teams uh Newcastle we know the Saudis very good Leeds versus Wolves apparently so Leeds is America's team now with Jesse Marsh Adams and um, that's the next game. Uh, Adams and uh, and Aronson, really amazing. They're at Allen Road. These are games that if Leeds is going to be serious, they need to win. Uh, Wolves are changing their system. So I had Wolves to be a team in trouble going with the three at the back. But apparently they're changing to four at the back. So that should modernize their offense and see if they can score goals. Last season, they didn't score any goals. And they relied on Saw to keep them in games. So I'm not sure what that means for Wolves. Maybe it completely changes them. So I'm open to reserve judgment on what happens with Wolves. If they had stayed the way they were going to play, I would have tipped them to go down. Uh, they're too good for that, but we'll see. Bournemouth has Aston Villa at the Vitality. Bournemouth are a tip to go down. They're back in the Premier League. I don't believe in Scott Parker. This is Aston Villa's game to win. The late game Saturday is Everton versus Chelsea. It's Lampard. It's Chelsea. Uh the famous 1-1 at Goodison that basically saved Everton. Or was it a 1-0? It was a 1-0, the Calvert-Lewin goal. Calvert-Lewin's already out for six weeks. He can't get a break. Everton have bought no one. They are in trouble. They'll. This is the, the sword of Dysocles hanging over Everton. Uh, Chelsea, I think Chelsea 
rumors of their demise is too soon. I think I have them finishing fourth, and that's just a vote for Tuchel. Uh, they actually have purchased Cucurella from Brighton, the player that that uh, City were going to go for. I think Chelsea would be fine. They keep Aspelaqueta, who'd been in Barcelona's sights. So Chelsea returning some of their players. They do have Koulibaly to replace um, uh, Rudiger. So I think they'll be fine. This whole notion that they won't score goals, they'll be fine. I, I believe in Chelsea. They got enough players. Then on Sunday, we have Leicester versus Brentford. Leicester have not signed a player. This is a team that's in flux or in trouble. There are rumors that Newcastle's trying to buy Madison. That would be a smart move for Newcastle. This is the take away from your nearest rival. Leicester did finish eighth ahead of Newcastle. And... If Newcastle are going to move up the charts, they're going to want to take away from Leicester. Brentford, our feel-good friends, they're back. Um, this is a this is a sort of even matchup at the King Power. Then Manchester United at home versus Brighton. Um, this is probably this is this is a pick'em. I don't know what Ten Hag is going to do. I could see this being a draw. Um, Brighton are tough. They have the better coach, as far as I can tell. We'll see what happens here. Who's going to score goals? Is Ronaldo going to play? Manchester United seem to be on the right track with Ten Hag. But then late in the summer, Cristiano Ronaldo decided to say, no, I want to leave. And it really became a problem. By the way, any altruism or any goodwill that Ronaldo had should go out the window. He didn't tell the team because he wanted to get a contract kicker to get in. And now he's leaving the team because he doesn't think they can win. So he's jumping ship. He's gross anyway. And then the last game of the week is uh, West Ham versus Manchester City in London. These games are tough. City, we want to see from Holland coming off the Community Shield. You guys know how I am with City. I'm always worried. I'm always afraid. It's a weird season where City are actually a, they they're actually in flux a bit. By their own doing. They're a little imbalanced, not enough defenders, too many attackers, a lot of a lot of pulling on players. Is Bernardo Silva gonna leave? He can't leave. We don't have a replacement. That would mean Gundogan all season. Everything has a knock-on effect of depth. The team's not as deep as it used to be. We've actually sent some of our young players already out on loan. So uh McAteer is gonna be at Sheffield United. The only one that seems to be playing for the team is Delap and um Cole Palmer. I don't know how much Delap will see. So City are in a weird spot. Uh, I don't like where we are. I don't feel good. And West Ham are just West Ham. You know, you're just in for a tough game. So those are the fixtures. We'll start Friday. Palace t- fa- uh, have Arsenal, Fulham, Liverpool, Tottenham, Southampton, Newcastle, Nottingham Forest, Leeds versus Wolves. Bournemouth have Villa, Everton have Chelsea, Sunday it's Leicester versus Brentford, Manchester United versus Brighton, and then to finish off the day, West Ham versus Manchester City. Wow. Week fucking one. I love it. I know you guys could just freaking go and look it up and read it, but I wanted to read the names so that I could remember. I fucking love it. This is like, for me, it's opening day. It's old school. It's baseball. I I do find just anecdotally, um, that 
there's less of a event filled kind of feel to how the soccer season starts versus other sports. Or maybe it's just that when I was into them, it seemed like baseball had the best buildup. You had the you had spring training, you had the weird games in Florida, and then you have the whole thing and the season starts and it kind of goes. This just feels like the sports landscape just kind of goes, oh, wow, it's the day before the Premier League season starts. We should start doing our previews. But I suppose it's been going all summer. Uh, even though this summer has been a little bit compressed, we had the Women's World Cup and then we uh, the Women's Euros and it goes right into right into football. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting. Plus, soccer goes all year, especially because I watch uh, I follow the fine USL San Diego Loyal, and they kind of have been playing through the U.S. season, the spring season, which is follows the Mexican Western Hemisphere season. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, we have a big game, uh, SD Loyal. So look out. The other thing is uh, I will be there with big friend of the show, Angela, who has been commenting on my goofy comments, and I love it. I'm so appreciative of every single one of you who watches the shows, who listens to the shows. It means everything, especially the FanHub kids. Please, FanHub. If anyone is on FanHub and listens to the show, please drop us a line at squeakybumtimepod.com at squeakybumtimepodcast.com and give us a shout, give us a listen, give us a give us a comment. Anyway, just to know that you're there. Um, I'm going to ask myself a few questions that I stole from... Uh, the two Robbies podcast, the two Robbies podcast. It's Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl. They are the NBC uh, studio analysts for here in the U.S. They're very good. Uh, Robbie Musto, some might know, playing at Mid- Middlesbrough, and then Robbie Earl, both midfielders, both sort of scrappy attacking midfielders, and then Robbie Earl, famously of the Wimbledon Crazy Boys. Uh, he must have had a good time but we'll see how he's at. So uh, the first question that came up was, who looks better at the start of the season, Manchester City or Liverpool? (sighs) I think my view on this is that Liverpool have a bit more continuity and both teams are losing big players on their sides, uh, but City more so. City are losing both Jesus and Sterling while Liverpool are just losing Mane, and they really haven't added any other player. Their player was added, uh, Diaz was added in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in January. So I think Liverpool are a bit more settled and have played more games already. And so they may come out of the blocks a little bit better, even though they did fly to Australia and Singapore and they were on the other side of the world. I understand that. While City are, just came from the U.S., some players didn't travel to the U.S., so uh, John Stones and Phil Foden have yet to play, or Foden did play in the Charity Shield, but there was vaccination things that went with them. And City's players that were added are bigger changes, and there's more questions than answers and a little bit of imbalance in the team. The forever search for a left pack continues. Now that Zinchenko's gone, we did not sign Cucurella, so there will be a new left back coming into City. Who knows where he is? There's just some in uncertainty around how City starts the season. And that is usual, and Pep Guardiola has talked about it. So I would say Liverpool advantage early, even though City are favorites. Then this next group of teams. So we have City and Liverpool. Uh, Mike and I have both sort of put down our predictions for the season, and we can go back and look at those in a minute. 
And then who can challenge? Who can challenge of the remaining four, Tottenham, Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, of that remaining four, who actually could challenge City and Liverpool? And I think Mike will agree with me on this. I think the answer is Spurs. Uh, And the reason I say that is, is they have the goal scorers. They have the players who are grizzled, who are hungry, who are up for the fight and just need it. Um, They have continuity within the concept of Conte. They know how they're going to play. They've added players that are going to change their team for the better, but are players like between Basuma and Perisic and um, a couple other defenders. I can't remember them offhand. But you you can see Tottenham pushing, and they already took points off City and Liverpool. So for Tottenham, their big issue is can they not have those draws against Burnley, not have those, not lose to Brighton. You know they've got to sort of pick up points on the consistency basis. The next team I'd say that can challenge is there is a path for Chelsea to push. They were right there. I think this time last season when we did this. Chelsea had signed Lukaku and they had the the first good weeks of the season. And we thought that Chelsea might be a title contender. And I think for the first month, 10, 10 weeks, they were the title contender. And the only thing that's changed for Chelsea is they have a new owner and their whole front office has been changed. Now, did that disrupt the team? Yes. Is Tuchel more in control than ever? Yes. Is Burley, Bowley trying to bring in players? Yes. But what be that as may, as much as Chelsea might be in disarray and have the stink of uh, Russian oligarchs, which, by the way, they had the whole time. It didn't take a war to freaking figure this out. But they now, you can, the, the path is there for Chelsea to kick on. Tuchel gets them in control. They cast everything aside and just go forward. That's one thing. Then I think for the, from this group, the, the next team could be Arsenal, but I, I just can't see a transformation that pushes Arsenal into Liverpool space. I do believe Tottenham and Chelsea, should Liverpool or Man City slip, could take their spot in second or whatever, something crazy happened. But these two, Arsenal and Man United, just are not there. I don't think United have the talent or the stability, or I don't know about Ten Hag enough. And then Arsenal don't have, we still have questions about Jesus. I've seen his career. Is he going to become a plus uh, chance creator or finisher? He's going to need a lot of chances to score the goals he needs. Is he a 15 to 20 goal scorer or is he a 20 to 25? If he is indeed a 20 to 25, everything changes. How does, there's more questions. How does Arsenal handle playing Thursdays? How does Man United handle Ronaldo, I mean, it's a disaster. This is the biggest club in the world. So I still have too many questions. So I think Spurs, then Chelsea, the other two have no chance uh, to crack in. The next group of teams, I think I want to add one other one. So which clubs outside of the big six could make the most noise? And that ha- we've got West Ham, Leicester City, Newcastle. I would connect Aston Villa into that group because 
I think Leicester are in bad shape. I think Newcastle's going to jack them. And Leicester have not made any purchases. So while Leicester did finish in eighth and West Ham in seventh, West Ham, I think, is the strongest still of the group. Newcastle have not flashed a cash yet. The next group out of the outside the top six that's in the most solid state is West Ham. Most consistency, best coach in Moyes. Added the right players, not too much disruption. They kept the Declan Rice talk really to a minimum. So there's no like, oh, we're coming for Declan Rice. West Ham is definitely the team right there. They've got consistency, continuity, good coach, adding in the right places, really have a chance to kick on and and solidify that spot. In fact, United and Arsenal, should they slip, West Ham could be in that fifth spot. Leicester, I think, are going backwards. I think Newcastle will jump them. And then I, for some reason, I'm still holding out hope for Aston Villa. I just think... This is really a. This is really which they'll rebound after a bad second half of the season. I think when they were in trouble and they fired Smith, brought in Gerard, they pushed, they made their purchases, the team kicked on. But then it seems he couldn't keep them focused. So in these in this next group of teams that is like which clubs will have a rebound season, Aston Villa, Everton, or Leeds. I'd say it's Villa then Leeds, then Everton. I think Everton are in really bad shape. They have a lot of problems. They don't have a good coach. They've lost Richarlison. They haven't strengthened. I'm worried for them for sure. There are folks that think they could be relegated. I find that hard to believe with Tarkovsky at the back and anything that stops Michael Keane from playing. As long as Michael Keane isn't playing, Everton will be fine. <laughs> I also think they need they need um they need to replace Seamus Coleman. He's just old. And then there are other the fullback on the other side. I'm not sure who their name is. And then Leeds, you know, all American fans. We all are rooting for Leeds. This is like a referendum on American football. Leeds really needs to play well. And Jesse Marsh really needs Adams and Aronson to come through, or uh, we're all be in trouble. And the big one is Bamford. If they don't have a striker, Leeds are in trouble. I do like Galhard, though. The next group of uh, just a bunch of teams, just some thoughts on these are sort of the these are the teams that are the others that aren't sort of part of a narrative in terms of rebounding. Brighton, Wolverhampton, Crystal Palace, Brentford, Southampton. You might say that this is like the safe middle except Southampton could be pulled into relegation. The only reason I don't think Southampton is, is we trust Hasenhutl to figure out what to do with his team. But Brighton, Wolverhampton, Rondewers, Crystal Palace, we really love. Vieira is fantastic. And Brentford. So of this group, Brighton, we know, they're kind of spun their wheels a little bit, but I'd expect that some player on Brighton is going to really show out and become a player that we're just like, holy shit, where the fuck did Brighton get this guy? And that is a function of Potter finding players. They know in advance. They make their moves years in advance. So we'll see where Brighton come up. I still expect them to finish in the top half. Wolverhampton Wanderers, we know about them. There's a lot of love for Neto and Podence to come in and make a difference, especially if they're going to switch to a 4-4-2. I do worry about Connor Cody in a 4. Does that mean... 
Bowley and Cody are back playing together. Does Bowley even play anymore? Or I'm not sure how they how they work that, but I'm sure they'll find a way. Uh, and then Palace, we already know they have to deal with the loss of Gallagher. But I think that Vieira probably had a plan for that. I'd hope, or they'll take a step back. And then Brentford got Ben Mee. And then we know because Brentford and and Brighton are sort of linked together in that they're very analytical, both owned by former gamblers who are on the data side, Tony Bloom and um, and Benheim. We'll see where those two show up. And then Southampton is just a trust in Hasselhoodle. And then the last group is how will our, the question is, is how will the promoted sides fare? So we have Fulham, Bournemouth, and Nottingham Forest. I think nailed on, everyone thinks Bournemouth would just go straight back down. Uh, small stadium, not much in terms of recruitment, asking a lot of um, of the of, of Parker, uh, not really fans of them. And then Fulham is the other one where there's belief in Silva, but someone, the thing is, with, with these three that come up, the money is so different. Like, and then Nottingham Forest is is the one behind. I think Forest will actually have a hard time. I'd like them to stay, but I, it it'll likely be two of the promoted along with someone above their group. So it could be, I think Bournemouth, Forest, Southampton, or. Fulham, Bournemouth, Southampton with Nottingham Forest thing up. Three have to go down every year. It's really fucking brutal uh, to know who's going to go down and go up. I think in my in my previews, I had um, – I'm just going to double check who I had going down. I believe – I believe my table was I had Leeds, Forest, and Bournemouth going down – uh, oh, I, I didn't even know I did that. Wow, I really didn't have faith in Jesse Marsh. That's weird. Okay, I had Leeds going down. That's crazy. Uh, but I had Forrest and Bournemouth going down. Maybe I, I loved uh, Fulham too much. And, and hey, you have to make predictions. Who the hell knows? Uh, <laughs> my top four was City, Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea. Yeah, I had that right. And Mike's got the same group mostly, but has but for some reason believes in United. I don't know why. I don't believe in United at all so let us bet let us see where we are on the bets so i I went back to my bet usa it does not have uh finish uh table betting Uh, there are other places for that but this is really just to focus on the money line uh scores and and see where they are so the first thing that jumped out at me is Crystal Palace is plus 350 against Arsenal. Thinking about how Arsenal started last season, thinking about Selhurst Park, it's Friday night, it's the first day of the league, it's going to be hot, who knows what's going on. I got to think that Crystal Palace plus 350 is so tasty that that's going to be one of my locked-on bets for the week. Listen, it's a good number. Put down your 10 bucks, win your 35, mix that into a couple parlays with uh, first goal, maybe even put first goal along with uh, first goal uh, along with something else. It's a really tasty line. I really like that one. The other one that I was looking at that really made me happy was um, 
as we go later into the week is um, I'm just looking around. I had a game that I had called out. Oh, Manchester United at home against Brighton. The draw is plus 305. Now, the win for Brighton is a bit ambitious. It's still Manchester United at home, but I really love Brighton to get maybe draw no bet could be good here, but I'm going to take Brighton as a, a draw at plus 305. It's just too good. It's just too good to to risk. Maybe draw no bet, but the straight draw is plus 305. I really like that. I wanted to go for the win at four at plus 445. It's just a little too much, too rich, but I really like that game as well. So those were the two that I had. I had one other one that really stuck out to me, and I just need to track it down. Oh, it's this one. Leeds at home against Wolverhampton Wanderers, against Wolves, plus 130. I like that plus 130 a lot at home uh, to beat Wolves. Um, and that those are my three. So plus 350 at home for Crystal Palace, plus 130 leads to win against Wolves, and then the draw at plus 305 for, for Brighton Man United. So win for Palace at home, win for Leeds at home, and draw for Brighton and Man United. Those are my first bets. I'm going to I'm actually going to solidify these bets right now. I'm going to put them in. <laughs> just I do my normal 10 shinolas on it just to make sure that I don't go too crazy. So I'm going to place those bets right now and we'll make sure that those uh those keep going. So I put down 30 for a chance to win 78. Confirm. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um so very exciting. I love I loved betting last year. I just uh I'm not great. I'm not I love betting. It's just fun, puts a lot of extra on the game. So that's Palace at home, Leeds at home, draw United Brighton. I may switch that to a parlay. Could I? Should I? Hmm, I might before the week's out, but I'm not calling a parlay. I'll just do it for myself just because it's more fun that way. Okay. I'm on a half hour. Usually with Mike, we can do a little bit more. But when you're on your own, doing more than a half hour is really hard. So this was the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with Mike and Laurent. We record on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we are the football wing of the Chop Sports Network. If you're listening on Apple, please rate and review the show. It really means everything. If you're not doing it, you have failed us. So do it and don't fail us. Rate, review, the show, share. Thank you, Chopped. Thank you, Fan Hub. We'll see you on Monday after the game.